In case you missed it, here is a clip from episode three with Boomer Foster, president of Long and Foster Real Estate. Leadership is about um, doing, not saying. Because, mm -hmm. you know, you, you get a lot of vocal people who are, profess to be leaders and they'll say one thing, but when you watch them perform, they'll do something completely different. Right. And I think you've got to have a consistency. Like, I want to lead by example. If I, I don't want to ask somebody to do something that I'm not willing to do myself. So if we're talking about, you know, uh, managers or regional managers, and you're talking about, you know, making contacts and recruiting and building mm -hmm. relationships, I, I don't have legitimacy if I'm sitting in the ivory tower and saying, you guys need to be doing this, if all I'm doing is sitting in the ivory tower and not out doing that myself. So right. leadership by example is something that I learned in football because I was very vocal um, when I first got to college. And, mm -hmm. and, and by the time, you know, at the end, it wasn't about, you know, do as I do. It wasn't about do as I say. Hey, I just wrapped up my conversation with Frank Stidman, and uh, he talked to us today about how he was able to persevere after experiencing serious financial setbacks in his early years. I hope you enjoy this episode. Frank Stidman. We think is actually Steedman as Steedman. in horses. So welcome. Thank you. Uh, thanks for coming over today. You know, it's funny. You just mentioned that you think Ellis Island butchered it. So uh, my dad uh, tracked our uh, ancestry back. And mm -hmm. at one point, our last name was spelled with an S-E-N. And when our first okay. uh, folks uh, uh, came over uh, through Ellis Island, they misspelled it and changed the S-E-N to S-O-N. And we were forever... Uh, spelling Jorgensen with an S O N instead of an S E N. So um, it's yeah. not, it's not, you're not the only one that's a victim of uh, the folks there at Ellis Island, but they had a lot of names to process, didn't they? Yeah, and thick accents to work through and <laughs> yeah, different exactly. alphabets and things. And in, in uh, your Danish, correct? Yeah, exactly. So you got the two little dots over some well, of the letters. No, and I... <laughs> so my dad's uh, uh, ancestry is Norwegian. So okay. we, did, we didn't have the two, we didn't have the two dots okay. in. Uh, in Norway, but in Denmark, we, we, we had Denmark, we actually have the O with the line through it, which didn't exist here. Um, but you were born here. And I was born mother, in, I was born in Denmark. You were born in Denmark. Yeah. Okay, I, yeah I was that. born in the same exact hospital. My mom was born in just at a different time. And your father was a GI. He was a, a Marine. Marine. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. He was a Marine. Okay. So London. you're naturalized one way or another. Exactly. Of where you were oh, born. Yeah, Very exactly. cool, man. Yeah, I'm here. I'm yeah. legit. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and making it and killing it. Yeah, well, doing all right. Trying, you know, one day at a time. Yeah. So tell us about you. So, sure. so uh, it's it's uh, you you know it's always funny how people end up sitting down and chatting with me. But tell us a little bit about where you came from, where you grew up, and uh, give us a little bit about your family history. So um, I'm a native of Washington D.C. metropolitan uh, Fairfax County, which is. Only noteworthy because uh, so many people come and go from this area. I that's think true. You can relate. Mm -hmm. um, when I meet a native, it's it's kind of a special thing because that's just not that common. That being said, I bought the house I moved into when I was three from my parents 20 years ago. So I've effectively wow. been at the same address for 40 years. That's really unusual. Very unusual for this area, but not unusual for the middle class neighborhood I live in. And right. so probably inside of that time, I've seen a dozen, maybe two dozen people I grew up with move back. 
And that's probably the future of the area for people that are merging from college into the workforce because we really can't afford to live in Fairfax County unless our parents take care of us like that. You know? Right. <laughs> <laughs> We've been priced out. We're heading west, but who yeah. knows where that's going. Yeah. So the folks are moving back in with their parents. Uh, no, no, yeah. they're buying their parents' houses. Oh, I got so you. So in my case, yeah. I, at that time, my income level could not have supported buying that house. Right. But it needed to be fixed up. My mother was sick. Yeah. My parents financed it at 0% till I could get the loan. Wow. And I'm hearing that story repeatedly throughout the neighborhood. Yeah. You know. Wow, that's cool. Yeah. You're, lucky, so, yeah. you're lucky you had them there to do that for you. Yeah, so it's you know it's different to be a native of the area because you're a little more interested in it. I know quite a bit about the history. That's not necessarily discussed. We had right. you know a few nudist colonies in the county in the 40s. We yeah. had some murders. You know, Georgetown Pike is full of history. Yeah, um, it's uh, you know if you live here, you feel more connected. You want to learn those things, and you kind of go after what's not obvious or and right. what and so forth. Yeah, but. Uh, my, um, I did not do a traditional route. You and I, I think, mirror each other, even though I do have a college degree that was later in life. Yeah. I started a landscaping business in my late teens. Right. That turned into a wireless tower construction and business. And that's crazy, because that, that always is scratching my head, you know? And, and, and it's funny, one of the reasons you got here is we were just talking about, you know, what was your path to success, and did you go to right. college? And, you know, so when you were young, you opted not to go to college. So so how old were you when you started your landscape company? I want to say 19, and I went bankrupt around 23. Well, that, that was a four-year ride. Yeah, yeah, it was painful, but you learn from those things. Yeah. And, you know, even sound bites you've given me, I, you, uh, you know, when I have tough days, I remember that, um, you know, perseverance is everything. It is. And they, they say that, uh, you know, you could read a library full of books about business and how to succeed and this and that, but that is the number one factor yeah. in whether people succeed. So when you were having trouble, you told me that you got on the phone and made a hundred phone calls a day Absolutely. or something like that. I mean, yeah. that's serious perseverance. Well, yeah. So, so let's, you, well, let's talk about that for a second. So that was in 2001 after nine 11, I had mm -hmm. a marketing company and, uh, the the uh, it was right around nine eleven and the dot com crash all happened at the same mm -hmm. time and I had a lot of um, um, customers who were in that dot com space that mm -hmm. just all of a sudden evapor uh, evaporated so I, I literally came to work one day and uh, was missing about fifty or sixty percent of my core Ooh. client base they were just Ooh. gone right overnight. They, over overnight, well, let's say it, let, let's say literally it happened over the course of about a thirty day period. I even had one customer place a huge order, and I was in their office building at in Tyson's Corner. And ironically, it was a Danish company. Uh, they placed a uh, huge order for uh, embroidered shirts. We produced them, and I was back thirty days later. They were gone. Wow! Every desk, office, every Ooh. every computer, the front door was locked. You could see through the glass doors, and you know that was the day. That was the moment I realized I was in in big wow. trouble, right? Because I had a huge tens of thousands of dollars that I had laid out that I wasn't. I wasn't not only going to get my capital back, but I wasn't going to get the profit sure. and that, that hurt. And, and I did, I got, I got to my desk and I started, I just said, I got to make a hundred calls a day. And I called and called and called. In fact, a lot of folks I called were landscapers because they were a huge consumer sure. of uh, shirts and jackets. And, and that was one of the things we did at our marketing company was 
produce that collateral. So, uh, but yeah, it was just pure tenacity. Oh that yeah. Got me through that. Yeah. But, but so tell me what happened. So you started at 19. That's pretty, that's pretty, uh, interesting. I've got another, uh, friend of mine who I'm going to be sitting down with next week and he started his first company at, uh, 17 or 18 did, did very well. But so how did you end up in bankruptcy at 23? What was kind of the well, path? You can grow too fast. Yeah. My father was an accountant and you know, he had a lot of good nuggets and he said, growing fast can be just as much as a fatality as growing too slowly or not managing other aspects of it. Right. So we started landscaping for a guy who was developing cell towers. Right. And at the time that was just amazing work. I mean, it was, everything was cell towers and tech and everything like that. Yeah. Um, he lost his ears and owed me probably 50 or $60,000. And that trickled down to me. Right. And at, I, I want to see, I was probably 21, 22 at that point. I didn't have that kind of capital. Right. The sheer misery of the whole thing. You right. Know? And, and, you know, we're at, really, we were right at a point where we were not making money yet on the cell towers. We were still figuring that business out. We had been doing the landscaping and they said, Hey, I like what you're doing. Why don't you do the concrete work? Why don't you do the chain link fence? And then right. it turned into lightning protection and we were working our way through it. Right. Um, some of it was my own lack of experience. I, I was quoting him way too low. Right. Not that if he didn't end up paying me, it would have mattered anyhow. But, right. <laughs> um, you know, I would say that that was very painful for the first year and change after that. But you grow big and you grow wise from pain. Yeah, you do. Absolutely. And that was back when a bankruptcy was really a bankruptcy. Oh, yeah, yeah it was done. You, you, you know, I mean, but but it was it was uh, I mean, it really impacted your life at that time in our history. Yeah, you know, it was, it was, I was embarrassed by it. And I was yeah. watching my friends graduate from college into really good careers and right. get new cars. And here I am starting from the bottom. I ended up going to uh, the cable company in Fairfax County. Yeah. Getting paid $11.05 an hour. My which, first which cable company was Cox that? Cox Communications. Right. They had just been just bought media general. Yeah. So, so you, so you've, so you basically went bankrupt and that whole cell tower thing was just sidelined. Yep. It Got was it. Gone. Done. Gone. Liquidated. And then, so then you go to, uh, Cox. Uh, so tell us about your career at Cox and how that evolved. That was 18 years. The first, uh, eight of it. I went from, um, a guy that knew, didn't know the slightest thing about cable to, and, and working inside people's homes. Mm -hmm. And I knew that I wanted out of that badly for a multitude of reasons. Got the engineering manuals from the engineering department, became an engineer, worked my way up, and mm -hmm. then became a supervisor of that, the engineering and maintenance department. Mm -hmm. And then got promoted to the construction department, which is really project management and a, an incredibly difficult position. Right. So, at, so what point, at, at what point in there did you decide to go to college? Um, in the middle. Okay. Um, of the Cox career. Yeah, in the middle of the Cox career. Let me think about that because I actually went to college for emergency medical services. I was a, a registered paramedic and a lot of it had to do with 9-11. Right. And kind of a feeling like I, I needed to contribute somehow. You yeah. Know, I hadn't done military service or any. I also, kind of like you and your producer, don't like the same thing every day. And I perceived fire and rescue to be very different, which <laughs> that it was would not. would be not the same thing every day. Yeah. Well, that's what I thought about it. really kind of was, to be oh, honest was it really? with you. It's very, fires are very rare in this county. Yeah. Um, and the patients, everybody kind of glorifies wanting to go after the bad motorcycle accident, the bad yeah. traumas and things. 
and those are interesting and yeah. you train like crazy for them. But most of the job is people with belly aches, yeah. diabetic emergencies. I feel faint. It's not right. You know, it's really a moving and carrying job. Yeah. Yeah. So they have a, a burnout rate of over 90%. So wow. I think, uh, I think God did me a favor on that one. I just didn't get hired. So, so <laughs> was it two years of college to get that or was that for a normal person who's on their parents dole? For me, it's about four years, <laughs> maybe five. I'm not quite sure. Right. I mean, I, right. I, Cox had tuition assistance that I took advantage so, of. Okay, so you're working at Cox, and you so you were doing basically night school, after hours school, and you yeah, worked and I around. had an infant son. Yeah, and you had an infant son. Yeah, so right. I, I I liked to. I was a glutton for punishment back then. I don't think I could do that right now. Yeah, I don't think I'd want to. Yeah, I think we all get to a point where we say we've had enough of that. That kind of fire hose through the eye of a needle. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, TV time's good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't care what they say, but it it you know, I mean all those things have their reason. I think I liked the school a lot better right. than I liked the actual practice of it. I think that whole field needs serious attention and and uh to be revamped. Right. Um, what would you very what, necessary in society, but What would you revamp? I mean, anything uh, anything simple or is it just a big complicated yes, I would separate them from the fire service. Yeah. You know, yeah. have the fire service available to help them where they need it. But there's tremendous resentment among firefighters that EMS exists. Oh, uh, I got you. And it kind of poisons the culture and holds them back. And a lot of the uh, the fire chiefs are pure fire guys. And, right. And hold, harbor those same sentiments and don't really do what they need to, to push that forward. Additionally, there's a lot of waste in it. Somebody yeah. should not be calling 911 for their remote control. But right. by law, 911 has to respond lest that person die for some other reason and they sue. Uh, so we've got uh, tremendous waste here. If you talk to people from places like Germany, that would never happen. Right. Well, you know, it's interesting. It's funny you bring that up. But yeah, the whole European culture is so different than the mm -hmm. American culture. People over there, you're kind of on your own. You know, if you slip and fall in a store, they that's kind of your fault, right? Sure. They don't. Uh, they, they say you should watch where you're walking. You slip and fall here and it's the... The store's liability potentially. How do we get that way? Yeah, I, I know. <laughs> it's it, got to be the lawyers. I mean, that's exactly what this it was is. such a sensible country in so many ways, but it's yeah. really it's it's really it really all boils down to policies mm -hmm. and political uh, courage. It, yeah, yeah, and and who knows where that's going? You know, we don't. A, we don't know. I, yeah, I wish so, I was omnipotent and could tell you where anything was going yeah, in society would be, right now. I yeah. mean. This has got to be the weirdest time you've ever experienced, isn't it? It is for me. Yeah, I think I think uh, you, you know I think that uh, it's it's. Are you talking about with the COVID and? Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, even the fact that we're kind of getting used to the restrictions with COVID. Yeah. Like I barely even think about it anymore. That's weird. And yeah. It's right. Well, I I definitely I definitely uh, I yeah I I hear you. It is it is becoming the new normal for sure. You know, yeah. it's coming the new normal for for a lot of us. And I think that, uh, you know, we we, uh, we we've got this great studio downstairs. We talked about it earlier today and we can't really use it because it's uh, much smaller and it's got a lot of acoustic controls sure. in it. But we're too close together. You know, now we're upstairs in a big open room. So and we're sitting 15 feet apart and downstairs in the studio, we would have been three feet apart. Right. Sure. So we've got, but it, th this works, uh, you know, for, from a, from a podcasting perspective, mm -hmm. it works fine. It's and, awesome. But you're, but you're right. The whole, the whole situation where we are, we are getting used to it is, uh, is, uh, it is, it is weird, you know, yep. but, I, but I have a feeling this is just the way it's going to be. I, 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 I really feel like, 
our society was going this direction anyway. We were moving to more of an online culture. True. We were already doing a lot of shopping online. Uh, I've always worked an enormous amount of hours from home my, my whole entire yeah. life. Because as an entrepreneur, you know, you go to the office and you work all day, you come home, sure. you work at night, you work weekends at home. So kind of transitioning to working, you know, 12 or 14 hours a day in the house uh, was really easy yep. uh, for me. Uh, I prefer and, it. That's for sure. Yeah, and but and I don't see I don't see us ever going back. Uh, not in my group of folks that I work. Not my team. Yep. I don't see us ever going back to what we had before at all. I think you're either going to have to be able to function in the online world, and you're going to have to be disciplined enough to get your work done on your own, uh, or you're not going to make it in our organization. It's going to be that kind of. Uh, uh, of a thing, but it's, yeah, it's definitely odd. You know? Yeah. I'm, well, I'm hearing from managers, even from people I worked with in the cable company in the past. And they're saying that productivity is actually up. You know, they it's really afraid in yeah. it that it's shedding a light on people who were, I don't totally understand this, but the, what they were saying to me is that people who were able to kind of fake it and make yeah. it in the office, yeah. BS their way around are being exposed now. Yeah. And you're yeah. either producing in a measurable way or you're out. And they weren't necessarily measuring correctly before. Yeah. Or you're out. And yeah. I mean, I watched my wife. She she just got a new position. She works from home. She's putting in 15 hours a day and doesn't yeah. bat an eye at it. I yeah. mean, she's fine with that. Yeah. We're well, there's nothing to else work. to do right now. Wait till COVID's gone and you can go back to the mall, right? Who in their right <laughs> mind uh, complains about having work? Yeah. We exactly. don't have the right to do that, you know. Yeah. Well, we had we had one individual uh, who who uh, didn't wasn't able to function. Right. Mm -hmm. Needed the management, like you said. And but everybody else on our team is uh, really probably in the wrong career to begin yeah, with. Exactly. Be well, so let's go back to you because sure. I want to talk about you some more. So so we've got uh, so so you're at Cox. You do like your 18 years at Cox. Sure. And you get your college degree in there and, and then you start doing the EMS. Is that part time or did you? I, I volunteered and you interned. Volunteered. OK. And then once Didn't I, take uh, you, you know, long. and I was I went through Fairfax County's process multiple times, which is very rigorous. Right. So I was actually what they call a top drawer candidate. I was fully qualified. I, it's the equivalent of like a TS clearance. Yeah. You don't get that, but that's, they put you through polygraph, yeah. which is painful, a background check. Yeah. Um, you know, you gotta be a good boy that entire time, no speeding tickets or anything. And, right. um, just didn't get hired and yeah. I'm not entirely clear why. I mean, there was a, a variety of, they did, did have a hiring freeze at one point and then yeah. they weren't quite sure what they were going to do. But I, I, I look at it and hindsight is a blessing. Yeah. But, yeah, uh, it's funny. It always works out. Everybody yeah. I chat with, they always, whatever happens, happens for a reason. And it always seems to work out for the yeah. best in the long run. So what did you do after, uh, after uh, Cox? Um, that's when I started this business, which okay. is Evolution Broadband LLC. Okay. I decided I, uh, I had enough of corporate life. Yeah. Um, 18 years is plenty, probably too long, particularly if you're in a meat grinder of a job like mm -hmm. construction supervision. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, my my business is a little strange because I didn't want to go source capital from a loan. Right. So while I'm building the communications business, we do home improvement, landscaping, things that I've done in the past. Right. That's not necessarily the future of my business. Sure. But it has allowed me to keep good employees and keep the lights on. Yeah, and especially now with the whole COVID thing, because because we were one baskets bad. Yeah, well, you were we were talking earlier. So your your company was mm -hmm. wiring. Tell us what you were doing before COVID. So we wired to ho entire hotels. Yeah, and the demand that's occurring there is 
Um, you'll find this interesting, but hotels are realizing that even ahead of COVID, that they better have first-rate Wi-Fi accommodations or they're going to be destroyed on, on their reviews. Mm-hmm. People were putting reviews on Hilton's website saying things like, we'd sleep in the hallway if the Wi-Fi is good. Yeah. They didn't care how clean the bathroom was anymore. I'm sure that's important. Right. But it's farther down their list of concerns. And you've got a young man right behind you. How critical is it to you? Oh, yeah. Huge. It's yeah. huge. I mean, I, I can't stand it. Now that it's work from home and this whole other travel and tourism thing, I know people who are um, taking their kids on the road for the next six months, bought an RV, yep. and everywhere they stop, that is the key metric. Not just that you have Wi-Fi, but how yeah. good that is. Yeah. So the hotels are taking it where they had Wi-Fi in the hallways or somewhere common, mm-hmm. and they're putting them in each room with their own LAN wire. Wow. And that's what we do. We do what's called post-wire. I have guys that work for me that can paint and drywall immediately after we get those lines wow. run, which is really important to hotels as well. Right. Um, we can fill holes where there's not coverage. Yeah. Um, and then automation is the big thing, too. I think you're going to start seeing even high-end hotels that no longer have a front desk. Mm-hmm. You have mm-hmm. an app on your phone, you know, the Hilton app, mm-hmm. and you've already been checked in. And not only does that app check you in and check you out, but it opens your door. Mm-hmm. When you walk in, all of your settings are done. You know, Because it's going to remember who you are, right? You have a profile. Yeah, and, you, yep. you know, to the, the frequent traveler, that probably means yep. a lot. I mean, what temperature do you want the AC at? That's do you exactly want the right. lights on when you come in? And yeah, Even even the window shades yeah. were motorized and connect to that. Um, another one that was interesting to me is it knows what streaming apps and channels you like. And that's yeah. already loaded on your TV. Oh, very cool. You know, yeah. so they're monetizing. I, I've been iffy on the Internet of Things and the excessive automation because a lot of it was very cheesy at first you know i don't really care if i have purple recessed lights or red you know i mean just some of the things just really didn't resonate with me and and but i understand it from a commercialization sector yeah i have i have mixed emotions about all that automation i love it i've got a lot of automation Mm -hmm. in my home i've got uh the MyQ, LiftMaster, Garage Doors, nice and, stuff. Uh, yep. y- you know, but you need a different app for each. You know, my lights uh, need one app. The garage doors need an app. The Nest needs an app. So you've got all these different apps. Uh, Sonos, the you know the yep. the uh, entertainment system for the house, and um, you know you've you've they all work a little differently. You know, so when somebody comes up with an app for apps. <laughs> it's called Alexa in well, Siri, yeah, but yeah. the truth of the matter is like I even my last TV I bought specifically so that it would work with Alexa uh-huh. and it really doesn't. I mean, and yeah. I keep running into so until they, they improve that. And I, you know, I had another really smart fellow that wanted to small start a home automation business mm-hmm. and really focus on houses like this. But this person had worked in development and never dealt with customers directly. And oh, I said, yeah. so that's a good, different, uh, good idea. Wax. But yeah. you know, when, uh, you know, this customer calls us up at 11 o'clock at night because they got a window sensor not working. How are you going to feel about that? Right. Because, you know, somebody that hasn't done, don't think. You yeah. and I have dealt with customers for years and know yes. how fickle that could be. Yeah. And it turned out, you know, we were right to not get into that business because yeah. of the exact th- same thing. There's yeah. just a lack of cohesive standards. Right. 
Um, well, so to, just to go back for a second, though, for the folks that are listening who may mm-hmm. not realize why a window sensor at 11 o'clock not working may be an issue, because if you try to turn on your alarm yeah. and you're going to bed at 11 o'clock at night and you get the, the error code that says Fair window, enough. family room window not closed and it yeah. is closed there, you've got a bad sensor. And if you're not going to yep. be the type of person who can deal with it in the morning, you're calling the alarm contractor Absolutely. or the low voltage guy who put it in and say, I need you over here yep. to. Yeah. So so uh, you and I get that your your uh, other uh, friend there, uh, you schooled him, I'm sure. Yeah, he changed <laughs> his mind when he heard that. I mean, most of us want to know that we're off work at some point, even if we're somewhat on call or whatever. And, right. And that, you know, being on call, that was something um, I did for 15 years at Cox. Yeah. And didn't really miss that. Yeah. It is nice to crack a beer and not yeah. have to worry about. Well, you know, it's you know, fun. It's it's fun. You know, it's fun to be on call. I think when you're younger, when I owned my yeah, water exactly. damage company. Exactly. Oh, it was nothing more exciting. Sometimes, not always. Right. But, you know, you get that two o'clock uh, mm-hmm. in the morning into the middle of the night. Somebody's got a flood in their house and you're going to go save them. Sure. Right. And you get over there and you, and you start getting them dried out and. Uh, you know, I think there's a lot more knowledge in the world now and people can go mm-hmm. online and understand what happens when there's a flood in your house. But in the 90s, when there was a flood in your house, most people had never experienced it. They've never heard uh, about it. They didn't know what to do. And, you know, you would show up and just a little bit of education that you gave folks in the first 10 minutes you were there would calm them down and they would realize that you're going to be able to. Um, they you still know, freak out. It. Yeah, they, 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 they did. I manage condos. Yeah, you know. yeah but, but, but you when know, I was younger, it, out, was, it was fun. You know, now yeah. I tell my kids after eight o'clock at night, you know, be careful what kind of problems you bring to me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, you just change. You're absolutely right. It's yeah. an age thing. We saw that the, the senior tech. We saw two things happen after the age of about 40 and the hourly rate wage go above 30 bucks an hour. Yeah. People didn't want overtime anymore. Yeah. Prior to that, there were guys that could have worked 100 hours a week and taken everybody's on call. But right. the, the kind of on call we dealt with, at least on the engineering side, was part of someone's network is out at 2 a.m. Right. And you, you know, the worst case scenario is it's really icy outside and the telephone lines run behind people's houses. Yeah. And now you got to knock on doors and hump a ladder. Yeah. And that's like everybody's nightmare. But yeah. it's, uh, you know, it had its fun moments too. I mean, there's there's an adrenaline rush when you hear somebody rack a shotgun round. Yeah, because <laughs> <laughs> they don't know so you're the cable you guy, up. or they don't care, or they, right. they're a conspiracy theorist that think yeah. you're really from the government. I mean, there's a variety of stories. Yeah. Cable on the outside of it looks like it would be a really boring job. Yeah, and it's fascinating because it was very interesting. I, I mean, I met so I met Colin Powell. I used to be his cable guy. Right, he used to go into his house regularly. Very, very nice to me. Yeah. Um, Whereas EMS and fire, I thought would be very interesting, and I was horrible. I was bored. just going to say that, yeah. It's Isn't funny. life you, like that? Thing? It is the things that you think will be yeah. so boring, and then you yeah. you ask people out in the field. For instance, uh, I was asking a surveyor or different surveyors I run into the field. I was like, mm-hmm. "What's the craziest thing you ever seen?" I, I mean, I can't even mention the stuff they told me about this area and what they've run into yeah. going through undeveloped areas and stuff like that. But you wouldn't look at that job, think it was interesting. Yeah. But it's very interesting. Yeah. Uh, yeah. If your you mind know. is that kind of a mind that gets, you, you know, that's, uh, yeah. Gets excited about that kind of stuff for sure. You got to be pretty yeah. tough. Yeah. You know, to go trespassing. Yeah. Like the way that they have to and, yeah. and whatnot. But again, you know, it goes back to you wouldn't, as a kid, look at that job and be inspired and think, right. hey, this would be amazing. And sometimes these things do turn out to be pretty cool. Yeah. And you don't really know what it is until you do it. You know, you don't.
Hi, Michael Schnitzer here, president of Stanley Martin Custom Homes. Our buying process is completely transparent and is 100% focused on avoiding unpleasant surprises during the construction phase. To learn more about our processes, pricing, and floor plans, please visit us at webuildonyourlot.com. That's webuildonyourlot.com. So let's go. Let's go back to let's go back to your uh, your your current company, which is tell me the name again. It's Evolution Broadband LLC. Okay. And so you were cooking along pretty good. Yeah, we were and, getting and, hotels, and it looked and, promising. And, and and then COVID comes along, mm-hmm. and how did COVID impact you? So so talk about that a little bit. Initially, it was kind of peaceful in a weird sort of way. We were able to blow through the hotels quicker because they didn't have the customers. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, for the hotels, the alarm bells hadn't quite sounded. I want to say that was February-ish. Yeah. Now, we were working on a hotel down in D.C. and March hit and D.C. shut things down. Right. And that was devastating for that hotel because of cherry blossoms. Oh, yeah. Okay. So yeah. when you look at retail stores and they talk about how they need to make their overhead during the Christmas season, a bad Christmas season can end a whole chain. Right. And then they make incremental money over the years for hotels in D.C. at certain events like Cherry Blossoms. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that hurt them. They took the high side and said, well, you know, let's go ahead and get all this work done in the hotel because mm-hmm. it won't affect customers much. Then they had the riots and yeah. they had to board up. And so he's just really taken a beating down there and I feel for him. But how it's impacted me is the hotels are not investing. Right. And upgrading your data infrastructure, your door locks and all those things is a major investment. I right. mean, for you know, a 150-room hotel, minimum, you're staring at $50,000 to have mm-hmm. us come in and rewire and splice and test that minimum. Mm-hmm. And that's so, before all the other stuff's done in there. Right. So we're, we're, you and I are chatting right now in September of 2020. Mm-hmm. So what do you see uh, going forward from here? Do you see any kind of a rebound happening? Or is it just, are you are you dead in the water? Are you, what are you uh, sensing is going to happen? I am not. I've survived because I am small and agile. Yeah. And I was really upfront with my employees. I saw this having some effect and said, you need to make sure you're talking to people. And, you know, on slow weeks, you have other mm-hmm. places to go. Mm-hmm. And, you know, my painter who's worked for you, mm-hmm. um, he has other paint gigs. I mean, you know, you've made the point in the past. There's work out there. You just got to find it. Right. But we also, the core product that we're heading towards, which COVID is likely to help, and, and we've already started doing in the past couple of months, is construction of 5G wireless Right. Towers, what they call small cell. Right. So we taught ourselves in conjunction with another company how to do it. The other company has a prime contract. I'm I have a NDA. I'm not allowed to see who my customers sure. are. Sure. Which, you know, sucks, but um, there's certain aspects of, of that that's really critical to these companies. But the future is 5G and beyond. Right. So are you going to be actually putting up towers alongside of this other company with this other company? Or is it just going to be... The other company sources and generally con- manages the work. Yeah. I execute the work. I got you. I and got so, you. So you're a sub. I am a sub of theirs. We, yeah. may, we may merge down the road. Or, right. you know, I'm not in a rush to do that. I, sure. I've overheard you say in the past, partners suck. And I agree <laughs> with that. I'm very leery of that. Joint yeah. ventures, I don't mind. Yeah. Because you well, can... Well, par- you know, partners, partners uh, are, are, if you're, I, I think all partnerships evolve mm-hmm. over time. And they always start out 
in alignment, right? You mm -hmm. always start a partnership out where everything is perfect and then you agree on everything. And then sure. as time goes on, you start to grow in different directions, mm -hmm. right? So it's, uh, it's, uh, I would never, I don't think, I don't think I would ever go into a true partnership again without some sort of, uh, an exit strategy. Sure. Uh, but, uh, you know, at this point in my life, I like, uh, being, uh, in control of my own, uh, world sure. just like you do. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. And people mean well and, and they, but they change. And yeah, I mean, I, you know, I look at these partnerships just like any marriage. Yeah. And I was told, you know, I've been married for going on 21 years now and I was told probably the best piece of advice I heard was that if you enter the marriage looking for 50-50 you're going to fail. Yeah. If you enter the marriage saying I'm going to do 70%. Yeah. You know, you always look you probably do well, but I don't know that in a business partnership that's so great either. Right. Why but, should yeah. somebody get away with 30%? Exactly. A marriage is a whole yeah. different thing, but it's still, <laughs> you know, I think you it's normal for a human being to assign a higher value to their efforts. Yeah. But if you're putting in 70% on your marriage, your spouse is probably thinking you're only putting in 30. So, uh, <laughs> but he told us that she should think 70% on our, my end. And I think 70% on my end and yeah. somehow, you know what I mean? And, and I, th I think they were right. You know, like, I think his point was stop measuring it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Worry about your contribution right. and stop measuring the other side. Makes Business partnership sense. that can get a little sticky, yeah. particularly if you think they're dipping into the till. Absolutely. You know, yeah. and, and partnerships like big accounting firms and things like that. My yeah. father-in-law was a partner for Arthur Anderson, and he worked hard and worked his ears off. But I would hardly say that that's business ownership. Yeah, yeah. You have senior partners and managers right. above you. You are a partner in name. You make yeah. a lot of money, but you are not yeah. a partner the way and you and I are talking about it. Exactly. But in either case, 5G is definitely the future. Yeah. Um, the cable companies are struggling badly with it. Yeah. Um, and let's be real, there is no such thing as cable and telephone anymore. I call them cable, but yeah. all of them are like your trash companies. They bring the same service, essentially, yeah. and then they fight over the rates. Yeah. But they've struggled, particularly in cable, because they spent so much money in the early 2000s redoing the network. Right. And it's just... Fiber gonna, optics and all that. It's just, yeah. well, that's, that's, you know, the Fios and stuff yeah. like that. But the actual companies that were just cable... Yeah really just improved upon the copper they have out there. Right. They ran fiber closer to you. Fios is in your house. Right. Right. And it, you, you mean, I've worked on fiber optics and copper for years and there's just no equivalency. Yeah. So, um, you know, they're at a turning point and where COVID ties into this is with all these people working from home, the mm -hmm. bandwidth needs are shifting from the big businesses yep. to the homes. And so there's demand for bandwidth coming out of people's houses that historically was in high rise buildings. Right. So yeah. 5G is the equivalent on one small cell tower, which is a telephone pole that's just a little higher than, you know, the one that they it replaced. Right. Is the equivalent of three cable systems. Wow. It's enormous. Wow. It's three Yeah, and that's coming. I mean, that's, that's starting to hit the streets now. I've done three. Yeah. And then we're, because we're newer, the POs are going a little slower, but we think that November, December, it's going to really kick off hard. So can you say where you've done the three? Leesburg. Leesburg? Yeah. Okay. I can't say which streets. No, sure. The truth is, I, I'm not sure why that's confidential. Yeah. I don't know why, because you can drive around and see them. Yeah. Um, the only other thing I can figure is that the conspiracy theorists are yeah. hitting 5G pretty hard. Yeah. Uh, there's. I've looked all over these units and cannot find the coronavirus emitter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't gotten it yet. I mean, yeah. <laughs> but we, you know, we, we do everything. We work with, um, 
where it's new for me is we have to subcontract a uh, company that is certified by Dominion to go above power lines. Right. So I go up in the bucket with him, bolt things on, test things and stuff like that. Yeah. And let me tell you about being within a couple feet of 38,000 volt lines. Yeah. You feel different. Do you? And everything that's metal, even though it's not touching it, develops a charge. So wow. You're you know, and it's just a little unsettling. I mean, I have a lot of respect for the power guys. That's a yeah. different world right there. But it's neat and it's different. Yeah. Um, you know, there's something kind of thrilling about the whole thing and being able to drive down a road. And, you know, I built and tested that. And yeah. And uh, I'm energized by it. And I think that, that that's an important point because that's a big part of being successful in business. If you do not like what you're doing on some level. Right. I don't care how much money you made. It's you're gonna fail. Yeah. You have to. Yeah. You yeah. Know? You gotta love it. That's that's for sure. I would die in retail. Yeah. Could you do a retail job? No. no I could way. not stay in one place like yeah. that. And and a you know when you read books about consultants going in and fixing people, usually the things that are failing and the things they look at are almost always retail. Yeah. Yeah. You know I mean, that's her true. dream was to start a bakery and it turned into her prison. Yeah. <laughs> so you yeah, know, which is the other point too. Um, I would make is is. It was pointed out to me years ago, you can either make a choice to own your business and make decisions around that Mm -hmm. or make other choices and the business owns you. Yeah. And had I done certain things, I could have grown the business as it stands. I could have had 20 employees very easily. I have the, but I'd have been miserable, man, particularly in the face of this pandemic and knowing that I'm on the hook to find 20 employees work every day. And you know what I mean? Yeah, the business would have owned me. We've stayed small and agile, and yeah. that's how I'm. The reason. Well, no, I'm I can okay. really appreciate that, and that's yeah. you know, and that's kind of where I am in my life now as well. And mm-hmm. you know, I'm at a point where, you know, I want to work with a small group of people, yep. and I want them to love coming to work every day, and I want to love coming to work with them. You know, and mm-hmm. and and to. You know, you start getting into those, you know, 20, 30, 40 employees. It's a whole different level of stress every day. Oh, it's you awful. know, it's uh, it's awful. Yeah, it's it's pre- it's pretty tough. And I don't I don't think I don't think the folks out there on the consumer side and I haven't done a lot of talking about that, but I, I don't think that they really realize what. Uh, business owners go through in a given day, you know, not likely. Yeah. And it's and, 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 you know, at a certain level, they really shouldn't care. Right. If a consumer calls a business Mm -hmm. and uh, they're they're not getting the service that the business is supposed to be selling, they have a right to complain and and talk to the owner. But, you know, it doesn't it doesn't have um, it doesn't take much to overwhelm a small business owner. You know, you get a you get a you get a you get a one or two uh, of your team members that are um, not performing right or making mistakes or maybe they're having a bad day and they're doing things wrong. And, Mm -hmm. you know, it it just doesn't take much for things to start coming at you. Trucks break down. Uh, Parts don't come in that you're expecting. Uh, There's 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 a hundred things that can go Mm -hmm. wrong every hour of every day. And uh, it, it it's it's tough, you know. It's tough, and yep. I can appreciate where you're coming from, wanting to to stay uh, small and nimble. I agree. And that's before we even start talking about the government and taxes. Yeah. Well, you know, you know, it's funny. You're you're sitting there when you own a business. So there's really, and I and I haven't really thought this through in a long time. But I used to talk to my to my team members about it, but. You've got to deal with your landlord, right? Mm-hmm. Wherever your space is, you've got to deal with your technology, your computers, yep. and your communication. You've got to deal with your HR, your human resources.
resources. You have the government taxes and and uh, all that. You have accounting. You've got to deal with mm. your accountant. And when you're a small shop, you've got uh, you've got to deal with all those uh, you are things. Every department. You've got to collect your money from your uh, customers. You have accounts receivable. You've got to pay your bills. It's uh, I mean, it's a lot of responsibility. You um, are every department. You are every department. And that's you know, I'll hear people's dreams about wanting to go to business, and I support that. But I've heard it from some folks that exactly like you're saying, they've got the grass is greener mentality about yeah. it. And I've always yeah. been told too, um, and I, I really believe this is behind every successful business owner was at least three years of hard dues. No, yeah. <laughs> at least three. Nobody in it. You know, yeah. the, the joint venture that I'm working with, he started, yeah. he left um, a large telecom company as a director right. and started this because he had the contacts in there. And he's had some rough stuff, and I've said, hey, look, you know, I'm just going to tell you, you know, you can be down on yourself or, or whatever. And I know you thought you were going to you were going to be profitable right out the gate, first month, everything like that. They said that is just not how the stars work. Yeah. You yeah, know, yeah unless yeah. You're, you got daddy and mommy money and right. things like that, that's all. But if you started this in the raw, the universe wants you to pay your dues yep. and be humbled to a certain extent. There's always going to be exceptions. But even, even guys like Elon Musk, if you listen to me, he came close. Yeah. Right with SpaceX yep. and everything, yeah. he was right on the edge of losing everything. Yep. I mean, he he said he had some horrible years, regardless of yep. what it might look like in the public. So yeah. everybody pays their dues. Yeah, and you can you know again back to the point about perseverance. You either crumble in the face of that. Yeah. Or you stick it out somehow and yeah. get past it, and and you know what, sticking it out is to me always the right answer, and it is. And, you, and fighting through it. If you're if you're gonna fail, you got to fight your way through it. You should mm -hmm. try to recover, and then you can exit in a different way if you can. You know, if you yep. your situation, you didn't have a choice, but you're. You know, you're 19 years old. I mean, it's pretty amazing you were able uh, to yeah. do that, and it, and it actually. What was I thinking? Yeah, but it but it shaped who you are. Yeah. You know, it's a it's a part of your DNA that, and all those little experiences you could never take them. You know, you'll never take them away from you. So what do you, what do you say to the young folks uh, out there who are thinking about? And you and I talk about this all the time because we're about the same age. Mm -hmm. uh, I think I'm a little older than you are, maybe by a decade. Okay. Uh, right. It's nothing these days. <laughs> so. But, but, you know, starting a business today with technology, like when you were 19 and you started your landscape mm -hmm. company, what was the status of electronic communications? Did you have pagers yet at that time? We'd just gone from pagers to flip cell phones. Okay. Oh, that was a great time for me because I went from the, I went yeah. from the bag phone <laughs> to the... Uh, <laughs> the Radio Shack Tandy yeah. 5000 oh, exactly. bag. Exactly. Or the brick. Yeah, yeah you remember yeah. the model number. Yeah, I went from the bag phone. We went to the pager. And the flip phone, yeah. So you started out. Um, yeah, actually, when I started my my first business ventures in the mid '80s, we didn't even have. I, I don't even think we had the bag phone yet. I think it was invented, but I don't think I had the resources to. It to, was stupid expensive because yeah. I remember you know slobbering over Radio Shack catalogs because yeah. they had cool toys. Yeah. You remember Radio Shack? He I has do. no idea what Radio Shack. Yeah, there's is. still there's still a Radio Shack actually right off of Exit 42 in Woodstock, Virginia. Wow, there's one. I think it's obviously. I think I saw that. I was baffled. Yeah, it's, yeah, exactly. You did see I that. I was like, wow. And I think there's one down in Madison near yeah. my parents. I so don't know what still, they do anymore. They're still but there. They're dinosaurs. But they were uh, terrible one in the their last years. They were not cool and fun like when we were kids with yeah. robots and toys. Yeah. But they would have you know three or four pages dedicated to these amazing cell phones. Yeah. That, like you were saying. We're either you know hardwired into your car and yeah. you know or you know this big or yeah. whatever, but I think that was because the first cell phone call was 1973. Yeah, 
and then it's slowly but yeah. i mean you you spent a minimum of three or four thousand oh, yeah. in money from back then so yeah you know it's incredible what they've done this it's absolutely yeah, so astonishing think, so think about a 19 year old today who wants oh, to start a landscaping business he's got his smartphone it. right yeah. he's got quickbooks on his phone yep if, right so he's right there in the palm of his hand can do his invoices his accounting and his marketing his you know so starting a business today is a whole different animal from a technology standpoint mm -hmm. right because we had to do our own books and we had to write sure. checks and we had to mail the checks and oh, all yeah, that yeah you know but i think you know the probably the fundamentals of of running a business and starting business are exactly the same you can run ads on facebook on instagram mm -hmm. on google you can do all the digital marketing you want but when that phone call comes in you got to perform if you're providing mm -hmm. a service, right? So it's it's kind of interesting, you know, for the youngsters today. And I and I and I really hope that folks that are thinking about getting into business can get something out of our conversation because um, there there it it always seems so impossible, you know, uh, to to start a business. You know, people look uh, at you know the folks that want to be business owners look at the business owners and they go, oh my gosh, you know what they've got it made, and they have no right. idea what you're going through and they have no idea That's what right. you did to get there. And everybody tells me, man, it's just so impossible. It's not the same as it was before. And you know, you you started your business at a time when it was a lot easier. Not true. I, I, I agree with you. It's not it, it's not true. It's all the same stuff, you know. Mm -hmm. Like what you're hearing on the Go With John show? Please share it with your friends. They can sign up at GoWithJohn.com. But what lessons did you learn about customer service or about about um, you, you know communication with customers or problem solving? Are there any tidbits of knowledge that yeah. you have that you would share with yeah. folks? Yeah, I'd say you know I was thinking a few minutes ago. You'll you'll laugh or completely relate to this. I would say the one thing that taught me about that more than anything was years of waiting tables and bartending on the side. That is that really is incredibly formative work because you are not kidding. Yeah. I mean, you know, if, if there are people that come in for the sheer purpose of mistreating you, yeah, and you've got to suck it up and yeah. you know, bring them. And you know, I I remember one time as a, a younger guy new in waiting tables, and we had a restaurant full of people, and our entire kitchen staff walked out. Yeah, and so did our supervisor. Yeah. And I was the guy having to explain to all these, you know, and so you learn those things and, and there's great humility in that. There's time management. There's so many things you can learn from that. But I will tell you this, um, and this is a controversial comment. You and I came up with the, our, always heard our whole life, the customer is always right. All right. I've seen companies go to the extreme on that, even in the cable company. And I right. would adjust that comment to say the right customer is always right. Yeah. Yeah. Other ones, particularly these days with instant reviews and things like that can ruin your company very quickly yeah. and make you miserable. Right. And so, uh, you know, I would imagine you're even at a stage where if, if you're, you're grateful for a new customer, but you're kind of evaluating them against behaviors you've seen in mm -hmm. the past mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. the expectations. So you talk about how to communicate with them. Well, areas that I still need to improve in are setting correct expectations right yeah. from the beginning. 
Yeah. Um, I like people. I assume the best. But you need to sit down and say, this is what's going to happen. Because there's times where certain customers have something floating in their mind that is completely different than the reality, of, particularly in yeah. contracting. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so so in home building, I mean, we oh. deal with that all the time. And I'll, and I'll tell you what, it's one of the really, it's one of the, probably the one thing I love the most about recording is... Nobody can ever go back and say yeah. that I said something different than I didn't say. And the, the irony of it is that years and years and years ago, I used to have all my conversations with every single mm -hmm. buyer one-on-one, -on -one, right? Sure. And I would say the exact same thing to yeah. every buyer every day, all day long. Because if somebody asked me a question... There was only one correct answer to the question. And I shouldn't answer it with version 1A to one person mm -hmm. and version 1B to another and version 1C to another. I would answer the question. And it was maddening to me when people would come back to me uh, and I would have a subsequent conversation with them two days later and they would ask me the very exact same question. Yep. I would give them the very exact same answer and they would say, well, that's not what you told me two days ago. Oh boy. And I would say, wait a second. I go, that's the only answer I know to that question. Well, what do you think I told you two days ago? Well, when we spoke two days ago, you told me blah, 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 blah. And, and I would say, well, I maybe were you talking to some other builders on that same day? Yes, I made five or six phone calls, but I wrote down what you told me. And I said, well, it's not exactly uh, what what mm -hmm. I said. Here's what I said. And when I started recording it and putting it in video and putting it out there, nobody can say that I gave them. Correct. Because because what I say on video and what I say off video is exactly the same thing. There's only one answer. And I can hear you with managing expectations. It's so hard to do because, you know, you don't know what's in somebody's mind. And that's the whole point behind our uh, sales process at Stanley Martin mm -hmm. is to get alignment with the buyer. It's a huge process. It takes weeks, right? To get on the same page. Sure. Yeah. So that's a really good, that's a really good point. Yeah. And, you know, and, and it's, it's even things like I'm partially colorblind, but did not know it. Yeah. <laughs> kind of a problem if you have a painting business, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, I have a painter. And so I've learned that, that people will ask me my opinion on colors yeah. and I'll be very forthright I said I'm the last guy on earth you want to ask right you know for subjective things like that because subjective even though you're giving your free opinion if they don't like it yeah there are certain people the wrong customer bear in mind yeah that will say well you told us you know yeah and they try to stick you with that that's yeah. rare yeah it's enough to make you crazy but yeah um you know again those things right there but if I set the expectation out that um that I'm I'm applying the materials you picked yeah it's pretty hard yeah you know, exactly. if you don't like the way we applied them, then that's a different yeah. conversation altogether because that's my end of the deal. But yeah. boy, anything subjective, you yeah. better have in writing. And yeah. then, it, you know, it can even be kind of delicate if you have that disagreement and you go, well, let's go to the recording, right? Because yeah. then you're essentially saying someone's lying. And yeah. is, well, and so I would be, never, you know, yeah, when I say recording, I'm not recording conversations with customers. I'm saying I'm recording my answers. Well, for it's fair if you do. Yeah. It's yeah. really fair if you do yeah. for the exact reason. I mean, they talk about, um, how bad human beings are as witnesses. Yeah, well, that's true. Yeah, that's they, true. They talk, they say even police, trained police officers are horrible witnesses. Yeah. It's just something in our minds yeah. that's different. That twist, what, you hear what you want yeah. to hear. So what? Uh, any other tidbits for the youngsters out there? Um, yeah, I, I think so. And I, I think you relate to this as well, is you need to go get hard jobs. Mm -hmm. You need to get cut in and, and, you know, I understand the allure of the desk job or the yeah. internet stuff or whatever, but you really need to do hard 
work and yeah. wait tables and even if you're doing it at night and do those other things because that's very formative right. and humbling down the road. Um, and it teaches you people skills. And it it's, does. You, you know, I've, I'm, I'm sitting in a very unique seat now that I didn't even realize I was going to experience exactly. with this podcast. And, you, you know, I'm, I'm starting to hear some common threads from people, you know. I sold cars when I was young. We 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 had a conversation with Jerry Berry yeah yesterday, uh, and Jerry talked about in his younger years working the snack bar at a bowling alley, and sure. he sold cars. You're talking about uh, waiting tables and getting mm-hmm. you know when you're young, and I and I think I don't think I even realized it when I was selling cars the value of that experience Tough. to me in my in my whole life, right? Absolutely. And and I, and I think any kind of a job that you can get, either selling cars or waiting tables or even doing hard mm-hmm. labor, just getting out there and understanding what it is to work a 40 hour week and and putting the physical labor in, it definitely puts calluses on your character, you yeah, know? Yeah. And it gives you that experience. You, you, you know, you, you have to interact with people as you go through life. And it's, yeah. uh, you know, it's very rare to interact with people at the level that I do, or it's very rare that your average Joe, I mean, would have a job where you're interacting at the level of people with like a car salesperson would, yep. right? Or a customer service clerk at a at a retail store. But you're going to have to interact with other humans as you go through life. And that experience you get is invaluable, you know, it oh, really it's, is. It's even little things, you know, I was telling my son, I, I said, it's great that you come and do jobs for me, but you'll never get from daddy what you will from somebody who's not emotionally invested in you, right. but is going to push you. I can remember being a busboy probably 16 years old and uh for whatever reason i was leaning against one of the wait stations doing nothing i thought that all the work was done yeah and this really nice lady i work with comes up and said are you seriously just gonna stand there doing nothing yeah and that was like the moment that clicked with me that i need to be on the move right you cannot be the guy and that that fundamentally changed how i worked i never wanted to be seen like that again yeah my days went quicker i was successful in other jobs because i was not the guy who was Leaning, doing nothing, you yeah. know? Yeah. And, uh, and that's not to say I'm the world's greatest worker by any change, but I, I get concerned that if we really are going to a work from home thing, which mm-hmm. I think is overall good, that kids may miss out on some yeah. very good formative stuff like that. Yeah. And you gotta, you know, if you're going to work from home, your work ethic better be really Strong. buttoned up. Yeah. Um, the other pieces too, things that, that, that are particularly germane to this area. So, um, my son is 16 and in the past year I overheard his friend group talking about how there's a belief in his high school that if you're not pulling six figures by the time you're 25, you're a loser. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Let's talk about mental health. Let's yeah. talk about liking what you're doing. Let's yeah. talk about all these other things. So there is this strive to succeed, even if you're a miserable piece mm-hmm. of it. Mm-hmm. Um, you can do, you know, the other piece of it too, is that we've deliberately denigrated the trades. Mm-hmm. So in America, we're looking at a half million shortage of technicians for HVAC alone in the next, I think, five years. Mm-hmm. There is nothing wrong with that field. Right. No, you not at all. You can get great joy out of doing these physically difficult jobs. You can make great yeah. money. Well, they're not. In fact, being an HVAC technician Base. is not necessarily physically difficult. 
the service guys. It can be. Yeah. It can be, right? The guys that are doing Crawling the installations. The attics, yeah. yeah, that's 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 definitely a hard day's work for sure. But most of the HVAC technicians are coming in working on a computer that's inside the... Or that. Yeah, yeah you work your way up to a technician yeah. expert or whatever it right. is in there. But, you know, I mean, I was lucky to get with the cable company because what I discovered that my passion in life is troubleshooting yeah. and building. You know, yeah. there's just nothing like going behind 10 other technicians that couldn't fix something and you're the guy that fixes right, it. Right, right. And so there, there's real concern. You know, we do not have... Um, you know, you were pointing about uh, if you wanted to start your own landscape business and you're a young person. The problem is young people just statistically aren't doing that. Right. They're not. They've got yeah. everything at their disposal to do for it now. easily, like for you now. said. Well, for now, well, we're going to see what happens. It could change. Yeah. It may be changing right now before our it, eyes. It might be because yeah. my son's been applying left and right and not getting jobs that would have been easily yeah. gotten before. Yeah. Maybe he's doing something I don't know about. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe yeah. he's savage. I don't think that's yeah. the case. But, I mean, you know, in this area uh, – Fast food chains and Starbucks were always hiring. Yeah, I mean, well, they it was still a revolving are. I think. Yeah. Door. They are, but he's. There's been a bit of a wait list. There's a, yeah. a higher percentage of kids out there working. Yeah. And the other thing that happened too is the college kids coming back. Yes. Yeah. That's changed the market. So you know where a Starbucks might take their chance on a 16 year old boy like my son. Right. They don't have to right now. Yeah. Well, there's and there's so also I'm hearing kids. just that there's a lot of folks that are taking a year off. Also, there's that yeah. too. It's yeah. hard for I, I mean that that blows my mind that there's so much cash out there to do yeah. that, but that is happening. Yeah. Um, you know, probably early retirements. Who knows? Well, no, I'm, I'm talking about the college kids, the kids that would have oh. normally go to school. They, I see. They, yeah. So then so they're they, flooding this market with yeah. available yeah. headcount. And, and I don't know. I don't have any statistics, right? I'm I just think saying. That's right. I'm just hearing right through my conversations with folks that. Um, well, yeah. resuming in-session college was nothing more than window dressing. We all knew yeah, that. Exactly. We knew they were going to pull those kids back yeah. in a heartbeat. There's no, if I was that age, I'd be going to 400-person parties, right. invincible. You as, can't stop it. There's no way. Yeah. I mean, I'm looking yeah, for yeah. girls. Yeah. Nothing, COVID's not getting in the way of that. Right. So, but the colleges are in a tough spot, right? So they, they got to they gotta get that tuition somehow. Yeah. They get the kids on campus for a couple of weeks and say, sorry, folks, beyond our... Yeah. And they're still able to charge yeah. that tuition because yeah, yeah, they are right. not refunding dorms. No, they're not refunding. Right. any of that stuff you're right so you know the kids are coming back yeah. i have zero doubt about yeah, that yeah, and yeah. you know again um i you know those jobs aren't necessarily going to yeah. be there to my son's credit when we went out and planted those trees he was amazing the yeah. customer there thought that was the best thing they'd seen good in a long time you know good, a father good, good. and son working and yeah. i'm coaching him and yeah you know he enjoyed swinging the pickaxe yeah but it uh, is fun it's yeah. good for you man it's amazing those are good memories for me when yeah. i was younger i might have hated it at the time but it's yeah. You know, yeah. and we're going to we're going to do we're going to do some more conversations down the road with your son. Yeah. And uh, we're going to talk about, you know, it's funny how you ended up here today was we actually started talking about technology one sure. day out of my driveway. Sure. And I was talking to you about how the cell phones have just, in my view, mm -hmm. really destroyed the, the, the company culture that used to exist. I'd agree. In, in my in my workplaces before we had mobile phones. And it's really only been the last five years too much know. access yeah too well too much access and the, the 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 folks that are coming into the workplace now uh the the younger folks have grown up with the phone attached to their hand and they can't leave it mm -hmm. in their car they can't get rid of it and you and i were talking about some of the challenges yep. you had with the phones and your son and we definitely want to have that conversation another day that's a whole nother that's a big uh, ball of wax that, right there that, yeah that that is and i and i and i'm looking forward to having that conversation uh but uh, if you say the word Facebook in front of that generation, by the way, you date yourself. Uh, yeah, exactly. 
like, what is that, right? I'm not even, do they yeah. even look at Instagram yeah. anymore? I mean, what's the current one? It's TikTok, yeah. right? Yeah. Well, no, you know what? I'll tell you. I'll tell you another side story. Another another guy I'm going to sit down with, and I just did kind of a pre-show yeah. phone interview with him the other day, Ed Shudell. Um, he said that some guys, uh, young kids, high school kids, were going through his neighborhood door to door, knocking on doors, asking if they wanted their decks power washed because they were out of school because of okay, the COVID. Great. They didn't have anywhere to go. And uh, and it was like three guys knocked on his door. He said, oh, yeah, sure. Wash the deck. And at the end, he says, you guys did a really great job. Um, you know, you should advertise on Facebook. And he said they all three looked at each other and they said to him, what's Facebook? <laughs> And he says, you can advertise on Facebook. He goes, if you just put an ad right here, everybody in the community will know where you are. They, These guys, these high school guys, didn't even know what Facebook was. It's gone for them. It's it's gone. It's, it's done. It's, it's like, the old people. They it's, said that's it's grannies. It's kind of come and gone just like that. Isn't that crazy? It is crazy considering. Yeah. I mean, actually, I give Facebook credit because they had a long run compared to MySpace. Yeah. The other one that's interesting, too, is they don't do email. Yeah. No, they don't. They do not Text, do email. Instagram. They, they do yeah. Instagram, yeah. It's yeah. trash yeah, yeah, dumb, yeah. their ability to write. Yeah. The schools yeah. have had to, because yeah. they do so much shorthand, it started to creep into their yeah. literary skills, Yeah, which has been a complaint of colleges for quite some time yeah. that people can't write. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. So, you know, that's the negative side of it. The positive side of it is if you develop writing skills, you'll now be in demand again because right. they need writers. Because yeah, I'll yeah. tell you what, I go on some of these news websites and I can't believe how bad the writing is. I know, is. it's horrible. I, you know, yeah. Yahoo News is probably the worst. They don't edit things anymore, and that's yeah. it, it's going to come back around to an opportunity for people, you know, a good, well-moderated site. Yeah. Um, but, you know, yeah. I know that's taking a right turn right there, but... Yeah. Uh, it's it's interesting times yeah. for the kids. Well, we got what a lot to on? talk about. I think I think we I mean yeah. I think we can carry this conversation on. I mean oh, yeah, for, for sure. But so let's do this. Let's find a way to wrap it up real quick so he can have a wrap up piece. So sure. so um, you know Frank in closing. Yeah. You know first of all thanks for coming in. Thanks really for enjoyed me. this conversation. Yeah, this I mean it's, it's good. Yeah, and I think we're, we're going to continue this uh, in in other episodes down the road. But just just kind of wrapping up. Tell us one last time what you're so you do you're you're doing some landscaping. Tell us what you're doing. What kind of work you would like to get from our client base? And you tell us a little bit about your your cabling work, mm -hmm. I guess, is kind of not something that our database may be uh, yeah, maybe looking not. at. But it's, it's tough to say. It comes you, out of nowhere. Yeah. You know, but we do we do data cabling and testing. Yeah. And we build wireless infrastructure. Right. So and then you're also, you still have a landscaping business, landscaping, right? Landscaping home is, improvement mostly, actually. I have a full-time painter, yeah. drywall. We you know renovate bathrooms quite a bit. Yeah. Uh, He's a great tile. painter, by the way. Thank you. Yeah, he's yeah, great. Nietzsche is a great, great guy. Work, yeah. Very happy with him. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, we do that to fill the time and, and we like that as well. But there's millions of companies out there that do that and right. not, not millions that build 5G. Exactly. So I I'm happy you. to hear from anybody on it. We do special projects and, yeah. and things like that. Um, I've built about 10 waterfalls. That's a lot of fun, but yeah. that's a niche product that, you know, yeah. and I specialize in making them look real natural and things like that. So. You know, I can always be hired to do that or fix what you've already got. Sounds good. Well, there's a link on the website with your information Thank on you. it. So uh, we I'm look forward to uh, having you as a, a friend of the show. So thanks hey, again I'm for coming in, for Frank. It. Thank you. Hey, I hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Go With John show. Please subscribe on the podcast platform of your choice and keep up with our latest episodes and what's going on with the show at gowithjohn.com. That's gowithjohn.com.